Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Seth Rogavoy. Seth is an author, award-winning critic, and a cultural journalist, among many other talents that he has. And for us, Seth is known as the artistic director of the Yiddish Book Center's annual Yidstock, the Festival of New Yiddish Music. Welcome, Seth. Good to be here. Thank you, Lisa. Always, always nice to have you here. And uh, looking forward only 14 days um, till Yitzhak uh, 2019 kicks off. It's our eighth annual, and uh, we'll see you bright and early on July 11th when we open the doors to the Yiddish Book Center for the festival goers. Look, very much looking forward to it, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited by this year's lineup, and yes, I know I say that to you every year, but then it's like every year it's really interesting. It builds both in sort of the amount of programming and the curation of the concerts and related talks. It's really, it's, I don't want to use the word interesting again, but I will because I can't grab onto another one at the moment, but to see how it all comes together. So share a little bit about how, what you were thinking and what this one is all about. Sure. Well, you know, as as in most years, what I uh, what I look for is a mix of familiar music to people. Some of the hits we've had in past years of Yidstock, maybe people who we haven't had on the bill in a long time. For example, Daniel Kahn and the Painted Bird are coming back after it's been several years since we've seen them before. A mixture of familiar faces with new faces. So uh, very excited this year to have some people we haven't seen on the bill before. Uh, of course, uh, Vera Lazinski, great worldwide known Yiddish singer who uh, was born and raised in Moldova and uh, since the age of 16 has lived in Israel. So thrilled to have her with us for the first time this summer. And uh, also... Very happy to have from Toronto, Aviva Chernik, who, um, like last year's concert with Sarah Araweste, um, Aviva is mostly known for her work in Sephardic and worldbeat Jewish music. However, she has long wanted an excuse to explore and investigate her uh, Ashkenazi heritage in, with Yiddish music. So I said, Aviva, now is the time. So she's going to come to us with a program mixing Yiddish music and uh, some of her uh, better-known Sephardic repertoire. So you mentioned Daniel Kahn, and Daniel Kahn um, and Painted Bird kick off Yidstock on Thursday the 11th. But then he's back on stage on Sunday with Sarah Mina Gordon. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about this collaboration, which I think is really cool. Sure. Well, uh, also new to Yidstock and um, thrilled to have her with us is Sarah Minna Gordon, who uh, is a great Yiddish singer, a uh, born and raised a Yiddish speaker, um, collaborates with just about everybody on the Yiddish scene, and is also the daughter of the late, great Adrian Cooper, who uh, in many ways is responsible for the, uh, the whole revival of Yiddish music and culture going back to the 1970s. Um, and uh, Sarah is uh, builds on her mom's legacy and, and goes off in her own direction in many ways. Now, Daniel Kahn and Sarah Gordon have 
have often played together. Uh, Sarah sometimes guests with a painted bird. Um, and um, what they're planning for Sunday is a special program of songs and ballads, uh, some derived from Adrian Cooper's repertoire and uh, some from uh, Daniel and Sarah's own uh, collaboration, putting things together. They they tend to be somewhat, you know, they're they're both uh, immersed in in Yiddish tradition and and in Yiddish uh, composition, and also perhaps some of the uh, repertoire tends more towards the uh, social and political aspects of the Yiddish tradition. So really looking forward to that concert on Sunday at noon. And I think, am I correct, um, Seth, because you wrote the book on Klesmer, um, that Daniel Kahn found a lot of inspiration um, in Adrian Cooper's both words and, and her commitment to sort of the, the cultural legacy and, and how it's going to evolve or how it, how it did evolve. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so they'll really be drawing on the legacy of Adrian Cooper. Um, you know, and, and at this point, Daniel has gone off in, in, uh, in his own direction with, with great new Yiddish compositions, lyrics, and, uh, and sometimes he mixes in English. And uh, it's really Daniel's music, in a way, is uh, what a certain aspect of Yiddish social protest music from the, the early 20th century, you know, had it continued unbroken very much, uh, you know, through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, which unfortunately it didn't and couldn't. But had it done so, it very well might have sounded like what Daniel Kahn is doing today. And, and again, in reference to that more broadly, I think what's really interesting and yeah. is so infuses so much of Yidstock and the programming that you put together is this idea that, you know, we talk about the revival, and, and certainly we have Hank Kisnetsky here. We have um, the Klesmatics, all associated with that revival back in the 80s, about the time the Yiddish Book Center was founded. But here we are all these many, many years later, and there's just, there's energy that is pushing this in new directions. And I, I feel like that's always the thing that I try to convey to people who think Klezmer is just sort of static in a time period. Yeah, I, sorry, but, you know, that sort of, whenever I hear that, it kind of cracks me up <laughs> because here we are in our eighth year demonstrating uh, vividly that we are in the midst of a, an efflorescence or a renaissance of creativity in Klezmer and Yiddish music, make, making it, you know, bringing it to new places, speaking to today's audiences, addressing uh, concerns of today, incorporating musical influences uh, very, uh, of, you know, all over the, the musical map, yet firmly rooted in Yiddish music and klezmer tradition on the one hand, yet uh, utterly state-of-the-art and cutting-edge on the other. And that's, you know, that's really, that's our mission with Yiddstock, and that's what um, I hope and I think we do bring to audiences uh, each July. Which is, you know, another question when you talk mission, people often ask, how does Yidstock relate to the center's work? And I, I think it's a great illustration to talk about the way that a lot of these music, musicians 
have and are drawing from our collections to regenerate the work, you know, whether it's, um, you know, one year having Josh Dolgan here looking through our sheet music and doing crazy wonderful things with that, or we look at past programs which have included and will probably weave their way into this year, um, works of poetry and translation that become part of performance. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, in particular, uh, Yiddish poetry was always put to music. Uh, it's uh, kind of the only, the only country whose music is rarely, if ever, based in poetry. It's American uh, music, but but uh, in the tradition all over the world, and certainly in the Yiddish tradition, to explore the work of poets and, and put it into music. And I know Daniel Kahn does that quite a bit, as do the Klezmatics and um, other performers on our bill, undoubtedly. So I'm going to ask you about the Klezmatics for a second. I'm curious. What... What's the, what's the connection between them and the Woody Guthrie songs? I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that. Oh, sure. Well, you know, basically, the the Klezmatics connection to Woody Guthrie, it, it, it started in two different ways. One was that the Klezmatics, uh, speaking about Yiddish poets, um, put some of the poetry of the great Yiddish poet Eliza Greenblatt, uh, put some of her poems to music early on. Now, what is the connection between Eliza Greenblatt and Woody Guthrie? Well, Eliza Greenblatt, great uh, Yiddish poet, just happened to be Woody Guthrie's mother-in-law. Um, her daughter was Marjorie uh, Mazia, uh, one of the uh, great modern dancers, and uh, and she married Woody. And uh, so you've got um, Bubby, which is what Arlo Guthrie and Nora Guthrie called her when they were growing up. And, and in large part, since Woody and Marjorie were touring all the time, either as musicians or as dancers, they were raised by Eliza Greenblatt. Um, and, uh, you know, so when all this came together, uh, when, the, when Nora Guthrie saw what the Klezmatics were doing with, with her grandma's uh, poetry, and um, she opened, she said to them, hey, you know, we've got this great archive of Woody Guthrie poems and lyrics that, that have never been, that he never, and have never put to music, and, you know, we'd love to have you explore uh, what's here, and uh, they made several albums of, of Woody Guthrie's lyrics, including one that won them a Grammy Award. Is is there one collaboration or sort of one performance for you that's really kind of surprised you? Um, you talking about uh, what's coming up in Yudstock this year? Or, or, in or just past? in the past in general. I mean, I think it's it must be interesting to sort of follow the arc of all of this. And then, you know, you I, I know there's a lot of back and forth, and one of the things that's exciting about Yidstock is it's an opportunity to create programming that might be new, that you know people are able to collaborate over the weekend, you know, and be on stage with one another, and, and it, you know, it, it it provides opportunities both for festival goers, but I think it's really safe to say for the musicians as well. And has there been one sort of moment where you just were like, "Whoa, who could have imagined?" Yeah, well, um, it's been so much fun, you know, creating these, uh, really commissioning 
new works in a sense, uh, you know, one of a kind concerts that have uh, and collaborations that have premiered at Midstock over the years. You know, I think back to one because it was an idea I I had for years, and I always wondered. It seemed so logical and obvious because Frank London, trumpeter Frank London of the Cosmetics, and also trumpeter Stephen Bernstein. Um, who's very well known in the jazz and rock world, but also put out a series of uh, of uh, Jewish music albums. Both of them did solo albums of cantorial music, where, where the trumpet became the voice of the cantor. And I knew that Frank and Stephen were friends and, and knew each other, but I wondered why didn't they ever join forces and, and do a duet of, of their... So we had that a number of years ago. And uh, not only did I think that that was a magical and inspirational uh, concert with what they did on stage, but to me it was also one of the greatest jazz concerts I ever saw. And I realized, Seth, in all the years that we've worked together, um, these many, many years, no, (laughs) we're not that long in the tooth, but um, (laughs) I don't think I've ever asked you how you ever found your way to Klezmer. Oh. (laughs) Well... Um, you know, the simple answer to that is I was primarily uh, a rock critic and a, you know, folk and jazz critic uh, in, the, in the late 1980s and, and throughout the 1990s. And I would, you know, uh, in my position as a critic at the Berkshire Eagle, the daily newspaper in the Berkshires, I would uh, interview performers and review concerts of pretty much everything that came to the area. And in the mid-1990s, there, there started to be, a, uh, you know, here and there, um, some Klezmer performers came. The very first one, I remember, was David Krakauer was doing a concert in the Berkshires. And um, so I interviewed David for that and went to the show and, and was really taken with this music that I actually had not really been that aware of. Um, although it clearly sounded incredibly familiar and touched me in a way that uh, no other music had touched me before. So I investigated more. Other performers came, like Andy Statman, the uh, the Yitzhak Perlman in the Fiddler's House project, which included the Klezmer Conservatory Band, Brave Old World, the Klezmatics, and Andy Statman came to Tanglewood, and I interviewed all the performers for that, and that was an amazing show. And it was actually at that concert, incidentally, where Nora Guthrie and the Klezmatics first met backstage uh, and made that connection. Um, So that's how it first came my way, and, uh, you know, I wanted to learn more and more about it, and so interviewed all the the musicians and um, listened to all the albums, got my hand on everything, and it became clear because I, you know, I looked for uh, a book that would give me all the answers to all my questions and explain the continuity of this music from the old world to the new. Well, there wasn't a book. And uh, a friend of mine said, you know, I was telling this to a friend of mine, and she said, well, why don't you write it? And I thought, well, you know, sure, what a great idea. And uh, what a great excuse to really spend time getting to know the music, listening to the old recordings, and uh, that's really how, how I came to the music. 
Well, we're glad you did <laughs> because you're doing interesting <laughs> things with, uh, with this enthusiasm that you bring and also the relationships that you have with a lot of these performers. I think also is uh, it sort of um, teases out things that might not have happened. Is that safe to say? In yes, terms, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we've been, uh, you know, having established ourselves over the years and, and gaining the confidence of musicians and, and the desire of all musicians uh, in the Yiddish world to, to perform uh, at Yitzhak and to be a part of this you know, wonderful artist retreat that we sort of set up. Um, it's, it's been great to be able to, uh, to work with them on, on innovative projects, things that uh, audiences might not, certainly would, you know, outside of the largest cities in the world w would not normally see. And in a way, for them, for the artists to, uh, you know, ferment and grow these programs, sort of, you know how in, in, in Broadway, there, plays are often get out-of-town tryouts before they're ready for prime time? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think uh, some of these artists, who we ask to do things which are beyond their usual comfort level and, and premiere them, they're more likely to do that at Yitzhak perhaps because they're not under the spotlight uh, that they may be um, in New York City, say, or Berlin. But then, indeed, they do go on to, to, uh, to bring these projects to, uh, to the greater world after they have uh, worked, uh, inaugurated them or premiered them at Yitzhak. So that's been thrilling thing to be involved in, uh, you know, on my behalf and on the behalf of the Yiddish Book Center. Well, speaking of which, I think the last time I saw you was in New York when we participated in, in the Carnegie Hall Migrations, Making of America, and we had incubated that performance by Anthony Russell and Sarah Rusty, Yiddish Meets Ladino, right? And there yes. it was. It was very exciting to see that all of a sudden on stage in New York. Our little baby. Yes, that uh, was our idea that we created and nurtured, uh, you know, in co in cooperation with the two artists, of Sarah Arawesi and Anthony Russell. Yeah, and then there it was, um, less than a year later, uh, in New York City. Let's uh, so thrilling to see something like that happen. And um, briefly, I'll just touch on for those who are listening and who've not been to Yitzhak, we also added early on um, talks, and we keep sort of. Uh, Pushing, pushing the envelope with those, um, and they're really, get, we've got a lot of talks lined up. Hankus is, Netsky is doing two talks, um, topics which he brings so much uh, to the conversation. One is Klezmer at the Eastern European Jewish Wedding, and the other is Classic Recordings of Yiddish Folk Songs. I think these will be engaging, yes? Absolutely, and we have, we have some other great talks mm -hmm. and workshops uh, which draw upon uh, our visiting artists. One is that I like to do conversations and Q&As with as many of the artists as we can. The audiences love them, and they, it really is a way to dig deeper and get to know the performers better and get to understand what they're, uh, what they're drawing on. So we have a whole bunch of those scheduled throughout the weekend. We're also going to – we have um, – so Aviva Chernik, who I spoke of before, is also, in addition to being a musician, she's a prayer leader – so she is going to do a Friday morning uh, workshop on how to sing in Shabbos, welcoming the beloved with song. Uh, in addition, we're going to hear from um, 
staffers at the Yiddish Book Center on uh, subjects of their expertise. And um, we're going to see some films this year, too, which uh, is a, you know, a new feature of, uh, of Yudstock to have some film screenings, uh, films that were created right there at the Yiddish Book Center, too. So we are really looking forward to this. Yudstock is uh, July 11th through the 14th at the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, if you're listening uh, and you haven't got your tickets yet, you better do so quickly because many concerts have already sold out. Um, YiddishBookCenter.org backslash Yidstock, um, where you can find the full schedule and also purchase tickets. I can share with you, Seth, that Sarah Bleichfeld, who keeps us all in line and manages all of the many details that go into Yidstock, just met with all of us. So we are we are set and ready, thanks to um, Sarah Bleichfeld's good guidance here. And um, thank you. Amen to that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she does an amazing job. Um, and yep. uh, again, thank you, Seth. Um, you bring so much to this. And, and Going along with you on this ride all these many years is nothing but an adventure. It's hard work, but boy, is it fun. Thanks, Lisa. Really looking forward to uh, our annual great hang at the book <laughs> And those many hours. Okay, take care and see you soon. Bye-bye. All right, talk to you soon. Yep. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.